Hello, my name is Tony Coe and this is Re-Educating Dad, the daddy-daughter talk show which brings you 30 minutes of cross-generational conversation on important topics of our time. As always, I'm joined today by my daughter and co-host, Tony Coe-Brooker. How are you today, Tony? You're looking lovely in your hat. Very well, thank you. I've just come in from the rain, so I'm kind of a bit dishevelled and it's, the weather's awful in Hastings today. Um, it's awful yeah. here too. It's just never stops raining. And when I go for my walk, it's like I, I think I'm in 1917 in the trenches. It's just mud <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> no, we've just had um, the lockdown announced um, last night that we're going to go back down into lockdown, national lockdown this Thursday for, uh, for a month. Um, and I was thinking how it was a lot easier during the summer because we were able to go, mm. you know, for walks and parks and we were able to go into the gardens if we were lucky enough to have one. Yeah. But it's going to be really tough this time around, isn't it, with, um, with the weather being so bad? It certainly is. And, and of course, we started this show, didn't we, when we went into lockdown for the first time in the UK seven, nearly eight months ago. So uh, now we're going back in again, as you rightly say. But anyway, let's... Uh, introduce our special guest again this week. We're delighted, Tony and I, to be joined again by Tracy Atchison from Arizona in the great US of A. How are you today, Tracy? I am very well, and I'm even more happier that it is a lovely, bright, shining day here with temperatures in the 80s. I'm don't, suddenly so very grateful. Well, don't, don't rub it in, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> it certainly isn't that here. <laughs> so um, we had great feedback on your uh, debut appearance last week, uh, Tracy. We discussed, of course, the American election, Trump versus Biden. And uh, you probably don't want me to ask this question, but you were sort of, towards the end of the show, you were kind of wavering a little bit. So what did you decide I, to do in the end? I, I do. I have a great reveal. Oh. I voted. Dun, dun, dun. I voted. <laughs> yeah, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, I ended up voting for Biden. Whoa! Yeah, made her very happy. Oh, that's awesome news. I just couldn't have Trump as my mouthpiece for another four years. However, yes. my, cav my caveat is that I voted a straight Republican ticket after that. I don't, I don't know. What, what does that mean? It means that, you know, there's other, there's other uh, representatives up for vote. In Arizona, we are voting um, Democrat, um, Senate's Republicans, Congress, those things. So I, I voted for the Republicans that represent me in, in, in Congress. Okay. And I voted, and I voted Republican, so. Good. Um, well, that's probably the way I A bit I of balance, then. A little bit of, yeah, we could use some balance in the world these days, can't we? And I have a, I have a prediction. I may be proved wrong. Okay. But I also, I, my, I predict that Biden is going to win. Okay. Well, it's certainly, it's certainly looking that way, isn't it? I think Trump supporters are, you know, they're very vocal. Yeah. <laughs> and they're vocal at the rallies and they're way, 
more vocal with their signs and standing on street corners and honking their horns. Nevertheless, I think uh, I think Americans want some back to some some semblance of order. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where we get that with Trump. <laughs> Yes, anything could happen. Anyway, yes. um, on, the, on the matter of balance, uh, so uh, you suggested uh, a, a, that we do an episode on race, and you suggested, I love this title, by the way, you suggested that the episode be called Black and White Within, Why Isn't It Civil War? Which was kind of intriguing. So what, what was your thinking behind that title? Well, I am in a, I need to give some history here. I am in a unique position of having adopted a biracial child um, many years ago. So, and my daughter, Chelsea, um, is identifies as black. So, I mean, she could have just as easily, I mean, she's 50-50, she could have just as easily have identified as white. Uh, she chose black and she chose black because of the way people relate to her because of the color of her skin. So that's, that's the history of, of why <laughs> sometimes it almost seems like civil war in our family <laughs> because we have varying different, very different views uh, of race, obviously. So what, tell us your view. Well, you know, I have a very white view, <laughs> even though I have a even though I have a black daughter. Um, certainly, while she was growing up, um, she was the m minority in um, schools. We lived in the white suburbs of Los Angeles, and I don't think Chelsea really had any black friends until she got into sort of junior high and, and high school. Um, so, so my view as a white American is it's not that bad, but to Chelsea, it is that bad. So I'm sure Tony wants to say something. Yes, Tony. Well, we're not, we're not very far. Uh, I, I'm still trying to understand where your differing opinion is. Um, obviously from, from my opinion as a white privileged heterosexual female, um, I feel like it's not my position to really have an opinion on whether race is bad or not, because I'm not the oppressed culture or the oppressed race, you know? So I think that her, her experience is hugely valid. So if she's saying that she experiences racism, then I believe that to be true because I think that her experience is, is real. Um, and I can never, I could never possibly imagine the uh, oppression that she faces. Um, but I know that I have a, um, um, a, a friend who's a person of color and she moved into a flat not that long ago and she had someone in the block of flats that was literally pushing the door in her face, trying to find out which yeah. flat she lived in to, yeah, to make sure what, to make sure that she actually lived there and she wasn't just trying to get in. And for me, that is absolutely baffling because this was happening in Brighton, which is a really progressive area in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, it's the gay capital of the UK. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's a, it's a very multicultural area. And that's one of the reasons why I chose to live there. Um, I loved living there. Um, 
And just listening to her experiences, uh, I found it so heartbreaking because I don't experience that kind of oppression. I mean, the only thing that I can relate it to is to being female and walking past like a building site and waiting for those men to catcall. Catcall. And that sort of, or, or, you know, like when I used to live in Woking where um, my, I used to live with my dad and my mum together, um, men would just shout out of their windows at you as they were driving past and stuff. And um, that kind of fear about whether, if, is it going to happen or isn't it going to happen? I imagine that, that that is a similar feeling for her. Um, and obviously it's far worse in different areas where, you know, people of color get beaten up. They get, um, they, they don't get offered opportunities. Um, so much. I mean, we, we, as a white race, we have so much to give back to people of color because we have stolen, we've pillaged, we've raped, we've, you know, forced them out of their, you know, their land. It's just, I don't know. I, yeah, I have a lot to say on the subject and, I, and it's not even my platform, really. Well, I think that you brought up the, the, the perfect point, Tony, is part of the issue is that as white, we don't understand it. We don't get yeah. it. We don't deal with it very often and it's not as overt. And so just getting Chelsea <laughs> to... Sorry. That's my dog. Someone's at the door. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you told us it was your dog. I thought it might have been your goldfish. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been me trying to like shout over someone. (laughs) Sorry. Carry on. Anyway, so I was just making the point that that is part of her frustration is getting um, me and my generation to even understand that that she does encounter racism because it doesn't touch me and I don't see it very often. Um, here and also for me, we disagree about this a lot, which is the perception of it. So here, here's my example. I see a young black man getting on a bus. He has a few words with the bus driver. And the bus driver points over his shoulder with his thumb, okay? And the young teenage black man goes and sits down at the back of a bus. A young middle-aged white lady comes in. She gets on, exchanges pleasantries, and she sits in the front of the bus. Okay. Here is Chelsea's perception of that. The black man got on the bus, had words with the bus driver, all right, and the bus driver said, yeah, go sit in the back of the bus. She immediately reads racism into that scenario. Here's what I see. Young man who doesn't know the area very well gets on the bus, says to the bus driver, I need to get off at such and such stop. Can you let me know when we get there? Bus driver says, yeah, have a seat, mate. And the young teenage black guy wants to listen to his podcast or his music, and he runs to the back of the bus and plumps himself down. That's what I see. So I don't read racism into a situation because I don't run into it and it doesn't affect me. Chelsea, on the other hand, will often read racism into everything. But wouldn't that be, Tracy, wouldn't that be because of her experiences? She says yes. 
She mm. says yes. And, and I will admit that, that, that police are heavy-handed. And they often, uh, she's worried that she's going to walk down the street and she's going to run into a biased cop and her and her boyfriend are going to be embroiled with the law for simply for nothing but walking down the street. That doesn't happen to me. Well, and why would it? Exactly. So, 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 um, I, you know, I mean, I, obviously we can't ease, we can't, we can't get inside Chelsea's head and, and we, we don't know what experiences that she Thieves, but but what what I know happens here in the UK, and I and I understand from our mutual friend Robert happens also in Canada, is that what has happened quite you know in recent times is many many black celebrities or you know black people in uh, expensive cars are stopped and they are they are now re- speaking out about this and saying why am i getting stopped multiple times and i don't from from what i'm hearing from interviews with police officers i'm not really hearing much defense to that you know that it's it seems to be that they they accept that the police do stop disproportionate number of black people Yes. Just because they, their perception of a black person in an expensive car, car. they it's must stolen. be up to no good. Yeah. It's stolen. Yes. And I certainly, I know that Chelsea has um, been followed in stores, um, was in a cosmetic store and wandered around. And then we received a rather deeply offensive letter saying that they had suspected that she was shoplifting. They had put her face into facial recognition software that the store now used, and she was no longer welcome in their store. Mm. So I don't know what it was that Chelsea did or did not do. My daughter's not a thief. Mm. So what warranted her wandering around a cosmetic store that would warrant such an ugly letter? Yes, and, and in fact, t- t- Tony has not had not, a not dissimilar experience to that as a white girl, right, Tony? Well, as a, as a person, as a human being. No, but I mean... I think you, that, you, yeah, you, I, had, I had a very similar experience. I was accused of stealing in a jewellery shop called Claire's Accessories, and they made me empty my pockets. And I did have a ring in my um, pocket, which, which did come from that shop, but I had a receipt for it that I'd paid for it like two days prior. And I tried talking to the shop owner and she made me like empty my pockets in front, in front of everyone in the shop. And I was so humiliated. Like, and I was banned from the shop and banned from the supermarket. And I said, look, if I, if I come in later this afternoon with the receipt, will you lift this ban? And they said, yes. And I literally went straight home, came straight back, showed her the receipt and they were like, oh, we're sorry. And I told my dad, and I mean, this is where white privilege comes in. My dad basically took them, sued their asses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, like he really did. And they paid out because they made a big mistake. But that, I guess that is the absolute epitome of white privilege right there. 
uh, is that I was able to run, to, it, run to it, my dad. Or it could just be a really talented dad. <laughs> <laughs> can't, possibly, I mean, can't possibly be that. No, no. But I mean, regardless, regardless of race, it's, it's quite common for young teenagers to get into stealing. That's a really common thing. And I think the difference between yes. me and Chelsea is the way we are handled could be very different. You know, if, if, if it was a white person that they suspected of stealing, they'd probably get a slap on the wrist. You know, I, I think that there's no doubt that there is um, heart, like racial profiling, there's harsher punishment for people of colour. And I think calling the police heavy-handed is, is being kind, really. I think they're thugs. They're absolute thugs, especially in the States. Um, and, and the problem is, is they're being led by a thug, Trump. And I, and I think that the whole system over there needs unpicking and rebuilding from the, from the foundations. Um, but doesn't that make my point, Tony? That, that it wasn't a racial issue. It's a, it's a young person's shoplifting issue. You're not black. Had that happened to Chelsea, where she but my, was... No, I don't think it was. Sorry to interrupt you, Tracy, but only no, go because ahead. I, think, I think that the, the way they punished her is... is uh, Dad, what's the word? Like um, when something's not a fair... It's not a fair repercussion. It's not a fair um, punishment. Disproportionate. It's, yeah, it's disproportionate. Thank you. Disproportionate punishment because of they they literally used technology to work out who she was. They had no real evidence. It's funny that they had the technology to identify her face, but they don't have the technology to prove that she actually stole anything. And they'd yeah. already, without even proving her guilty, already posted her face everywhere. You know, I think that that is disgusting and actually it's making me i'm it makes me feel anger for her i actually feel quite bad that we're talking about your daughter without her being here um but in in, well, in that a pretty good job of defending her <laughs> well no but it feels it feels like we're psychoanalyzing the situation and i feel like she should be here to kind of uh get to, to exp you know share her experience but in terms of the bus incident that you were talking about tracy i think it's really interesting that both of you had built this different narrative in your head based mm -hmm. on body mm -hmm. body language and where someone sat um yes. i i um am someone that takes notice of the little things so i would have also probably overanalyzed that situation but to me the pure image of seeing a black man sat at the back of the bus and a white woman sat at the front just takes you right back into history doesn't it where they're it where the buses are segre segregated so regardless of the dialogue Right. You know, that's the image that you see. I mean, and that might not right. be true, but the, but the point is, is that our, our, our context and our societal upbringing leads to two very different perceptions of, of what the truth exactly. is. So I, and I, it's very, very hard it, for you to understand how she feels. But when, when she feels oppression and you don't, I think mm -hmm. that it's, it's our responsibility to um, believe her truth. And, and that's, it's, okay. for us dinosaurs, for us old white gray <laughs> dinosaurs, it is very, very hard to change that perception. So mm. I'm always giving people the benefit of the doubt. Chelsea related a story to me, um, it was late at night. She was with um, about six um, mixed race friends, predominantly black. Um, 
there was some Latinos in there, and I think there may have been one Filipino. And they went into a Denny's one night late to have breakfast. And they sat down. There was six of them. A couple of white people came in. There were two of them. Another, another group of people came in. There were four of them. And they were ignored. And they felt it was because of racism. In fact, they ended up having words with the, with the waitress and leaving. And they were very angry. Now, I said to her, how do you know the waitress? It just was late at night. She was tired. She's got a group of four people, so she knows she's going to get a better tip. She can easily whip out the order for the, for the two people. And here she sees just a group of rather rowdy teenagers. And she's like, oh, man, I don't want to deal with this. Was it really, is it a black issue? Or, or, was or it, it could be poor service. Yeah, I mean, it could be that too. <laughs> but also, that I mean, you can, <laughs> let's say, for instance, that the waitress doesn't, uh, doesn't think that she's racist. I'm going to put myself on the line here and, uh, okay. and, be, and be completely honest. Um, I, think we're, I think all white people are racist. I think that we are... Um, brought up to be that way. I think society makes us that way. And it's really, it's a really painful thing for me to have to admit. But um, if I'm, if I'm walking down the street late at night, and there's a group of black men, young men that are confident and talking loud, I'll cross over to the other side of the road. Now that now it might be because I'm a woman and I'm on my own. Uh, or it might be because society has uh, convince us that that is an unsafe situation and it's better to re remove ourselves. It might be because we have forced black communities into poorer areas and we don't give them opportunities and therefore they have uh, less pay and therefore they, their lives, uh, you know, to survive, they've got into crime and stuff like that. This, we could go way back with this. Uh, mm -hmm. But the point is, is that I might still cross the road and that's still racism. And that, that, is something that I have to look inwardly at. That, well, did that make sense? I have to look introspectively at my own uh, programmed racism and unpick that. Um, I'm trying to think of a, another um, circumstance in which that might happen. Oh, for instance, you know, like we had um, terrorist attacks in, in the UK, like on our bus services and on our train services. And um, you know, I might be on the underground in London where I feel really uncomfortable as it is. And I might see an Asian man with a backpack looking really nervous. And that makes me feel nervous. Mm -hmm. But he, he might just be stressed because he's late for work or, you know, he might have had a bad day. He might be feeling sick. And again, that's program racism. It's, it's, it's a really, really complicated issue. But I think that it is our responsibility to look at our own internal racism and work on that um, because there's nothing to suggest that that Asian man is a terrorist or that those, uh, you know, that group of young black men are, are going to jump me or, you know, you know, sexually attack and, me. And, and to be thing, women, women are brought up, sorry, let me just finish this point. Women are also brought up to think that we are always going to be a sexual target for men. So that has been drummed in me from day one that to, to be to be aware of being raped, basically. So, sorry, carry on, Dad. No, I was going to say that. So, so the, the the thing that you see in yourself as uh, you describe as racism, it, it, 
I don't think that that's much different uh, to what you, what we're saying about the police. I mean, the the the, the police haven't ha are operating on their experience, right. and their experience is. And, and uh, you know, um, Tony will lambast me for mentioning this name, uh, but, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned Candace Owen. You know who Candace Owen is? I don't so think so. so she's I don't, black, but... She's, a, she's an outspoken right-wing black woman. Okay. Um, and uh, I think she's very, very intelligent. And, uh, you know, she, she, she will defend the police and say, well, black people commit a disproportionate number of crimes and therefore human beings are patents patent seeking uh creatures individuals yes and so they yes. like like tony has just admitted the terrible um uh crime of crossing the road because she feels threatened really that's no more what she's feeling threatened by is no more than a, a primeval instinct in us to be wary of people yes. who are not like us. Uh, yes, um, yeah. That is, you know, it's, it, it is a rather horrible thing to have to articulate, but it's a fact. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's a bit like, you know, you, the man walking in the, in the, the ancient man walking in the, in the savannah, hears a rustling in the hedge, in the hedge or the bush. His, for his survival mechanism, the best decision he can make is that that is a tiger. Not that it right. is the wind, but it is a tiger. Because that is the best way he will survive. And I, I believe that racism is, is really something that is programmed into us as a survival mechanism. It's not programmed in, into us in order for us to be fair and balanced. It's, it's programmed in, into us in order for us to survive to the next day. But in a modern society, of course, it creates these complications that we're talking about now. But my, so let me ask Tony. Tony, if you had been, it, it was, you know, evening was falling and you were walking down the street and you saw five white guys coming at you and they were... They'd been on a pub crawl. They were horsing around, pushing, laughing, and shoving. Do you do you honestly believe that your uh, we call it mindfulness, being aware of your surroundings for your own protection, that you might just steer clear of that rowdy bunch? I mean, was it? Yeah, was it I mean, really I would. A black I, and white issue, or is it a? Is it? I would a, definitely a cross the road. Issue? Yeah, I would cross yeah. the road, and, and I, I would say that all of my issues have been with white men and not black men. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yes>. But, but, <laughs> and all oh, the woes of white men. Um, and, uh, but I think that again, my fear is disproportionate between race. And I think it's because of that societal programming. And I think dad, I know what you're saying about kind of like a survival technique, but we should have that survival technique about everyone and everything. Um, and actually what we do is we segregate, we divide people, we push people away and we villainize them and we make them the problem. And that's what we've done all throughout history. You know, this is my country. These are my people. You're different. We need to attack you. We need to take your land. We need to, you know, we do it with it, with everything. Um, and that is the pattern of humanity. 
and that's what needs to be addressed deprogrammed yeah so you're well, saying then that you shouldn't up? you shouldn't cross the road then uh, you shouldn't cross the road to put yourself in what you would regard to be a safer position you should actually stay on the side of the road and you know offer to buy them a drink or i don't know what, what exactly you're saying <laughs> No, no, she I'm said just the that. opposite. She <laughs> said she would cross the road whether they were white or black. It was a, it was a mindful issue. It was a safety yeah, she, issue. She, she what I should do right. is I should get a cab home. <laughs> no, I mean... I mean, um, I think that we should be, these are lots of different issues, but, you know, we should be bringing men up to not uh, objectify women and to learn how to have healthy relationships. And we should bring women up to be strong and confident and independent and know how to protect themselves. And, you know, actually, it is a good idea to cross the road if you feel unsafe, regardless of who who is there. Um, But... Also, not to just expect the worst of everyone all the time, which is what we are. We're, we're taught that everyone is trying to take advantage of us. Well, um, let me throw this out because it's important. All right. So, so far, we've talked about our personal experiences, mindfulness, whether, but what if it, and, and many in the black community see it as what they call systemic racism. I've done some research on this. And what if it was say free housing laws where I get a better rate because I'm white Anglo-Saxon rich person as opposed to an up-and-coming young black family that are just that are just starting out same same credit score same roundabout income and yet they're quoted a higher interest rate straight basically because of their color and that's where that's where they are saying it's not just one on one of our own perceptions, but that then becomes institutional racism. Does that but it sense? is institutional racism, yeah. I mean, and yes. it's true, and it's happened. You know, in America, yes. there were whole loads of neighborhoods where they wouldn't allow people, black people, to buy housing. So therefore, we had these yes. beautiful affluent areas only full of white people. Um, and and they also made it law that you weren't allowed to sell that property onto black people. So that's that is the history of America. You know, that's not yes. something that someone made up and said, oh, it's racism. That is something that actually happened. Um, yes. And, you know, and that that means that we, there is still a, a disproportionate um, mass of land that is white owned. Um, yes. So are yeah. you saying, Tracy, that that actually happens, what you just said? Oh, absolutely. Well, that's why America has, has new fair housing laws. Hmm. But it is those kinds of issues that black people run into um, that, that we as white people don't run into it. And therefore, it's, it's harder for us to um, acknowledge it because I don't see it. Yes, it doesn't. Uh, well, it doesn't affect me. No, quite, well, quite. One thing you said right at the beginning of the show, which which really interested me, um, because it's language that I'm more used to hearing in relation to electing to be a certain gender, which Tony likes to talk quite a lot about. Oh, um, Chelsea too. So you said. So you said uh, that Chelsea ident- made a decision Identifies. to identify as black. So. 
it, it sounded to me as though, and I may, may be wrong in this, but it, and you'll put me right, but it sounded as though you were saying that you were, it sounded as though perhaps you were thinking that that surprised you in some way that she made that election. Did that I surprise was. you? And, and, and I was. Can you talk more about that? Or? Uh, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because Chelsea is a very, uh, well, she's stunningly beautiful, number one. Thank you, daughter. We, number two is, <laughs> is that she could be of any nationality uh, because of the lighter skin color. So she could say she was Italian heritage or Middle Eastern heritage. So in essence, based on the color of her skin, she could have picked. And I would have thought that she would have said, um, yeah, my life is going to be easier if I'm perceived as a white person. And so I was surprised that, that, that that's what she picked. Also, I was surprised because, let's face it, Chelsea came from <laughs> privilege, and she came from white suburbs. She did have the... Um, Oh, what's the word I want to use? She gained, she, she gained, it was, I mean, she had a, a nuclear family. She had grandparents, a strong nuclear family, um, a bet it being white. Um, and I would have thought she would have made the decision to, pre to present herself as a white person. And she chose black. And as such, she has, and also by her choice of friends, um, she, she enjoys the diversity and ethnic mix, which is what Tony was saying. Um, that, the, they, that enriches her life. So I think that's also one of the reasons why she chose to present herself black and as she said i am you know mm. I, I am black and as such she as she's grown older she's run into these situations um, so, so it was a kind of a brave decision i think it was to her she really didn't think she had a decision right to her she didn't have she, a decision she, yeah. she she could have said i identify as white and society would have still said she was black I think so, that was what she mm. was trying to say. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't, it's not like it was ever really a choice for her. You know, I think it's great that she says that she's confidently black, but you know, if she, she couldn't have ever chosen to be white because of the way society looks at her, it's not, which is wrong, but it's, you know, she's all, she was always going to face oppression by not having pale white skin. And that's what the problem is. It doesn't matter yes. that she has a white family. Um, uh, it is getting worse uh, by far. One of the things I want to say is when I look at my daughter, I don't see my black daughter. I, I just see I just see my daughter, and I love her. That we hmm. and the whole family's like that. So when someone points out to us that she's a different color, we kind of oh 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 yeah she is <laughs> catches hmm. us off guard catches us off guard. When she was younger, most people were curious mm. and asked many questions. And we always treated it with humor. 
I always treated it with humor and uh, and answered as honestly as I could um, about why I adopted her. Um, and what, what was the answer to that question, Tracy? <laughs> you know, I, I, we wanted a second child. We, we had had Zach. Um, we thought we might adopt. Um, that wasn't working out for us. My husband was 10 years older than I was. He couldn't have any more children. And so when we were asked, we, it, color was not really an issue. We thought we would get a little Latino girl. Uh, because there's so many in the system uh, in Los in Los Angeles. Um, for us, we were more concerned that, that the baby was healthy, that we didn't have issues that come with having adopted a, uh, an addicted baby. So uh, the only so we just wanted healthy. Um, race was never really an issue for me. And when it did come up and I did find out that she was biracial, I can remember calling my sister. And the only conversation we ever had about it was I said, she's healthy and she's black. I said, can we do black as a white family? Can we give what a black child would need? And, and can we stow our preconceived ideas. Uh, can mm. we do this? And my sister responded, yeah, we can do black. And mm. that was it. That was the only conversation. She was adopted into the household. We were thrilled. Grandparents were thrilled. She was cut into the trust fund. You know, she's not treated like the redheaded stepchild. She is part of us. Mm. We are, we are family. So that was my only concern. And really the only other thing that annoys me is when people would come up and say things like, oh, that was really good of you to adopt a black child. I don't think I could do that. that you are so kind. You are mm. so great. That annoys me. Because mm. what they're really saying is, I couldn't adopt a black child. Yes, they and, are saying that. And, yeah. yeah, and I don't get kudos for doing this. She enriches my life way more. Um, and what she brings to me in the family is, it, you know, it, I'm enriched. And that is blatant racism. Mm -hmm. You did good. You're a white person. You, you adopted a black kid. Good on you. Mm -hmm. That upset. That would upset me. To mm -hmm. me, Children are children of God, period. Mm. They're a blessing, whatever color they are. That was always my husband's and my and my family, our viewpoint. Mm. So really, that's the only thing that upsets me. And I would have friends that would say that to me. <laughs> well, it, you know what? It's um, this, we, we're, we're, we've gone over our time. Um, but Again? <laughs> sort of quite a bit, but, um, you know, it, I really regard it as a privilege hearing you talk about your daughter. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think about you is you, you don't, you don't hold back at all. You, you know, you talk so, you talk so openly. I mean, I think in, in British culture, we, we constantly walk on eggshells, particularly when we're talking yes. about things related to You're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable mm -hmm. with it. And, and, uh, maybe for good reason, 
but um, you know, I, I like the fact that you can just talk so re- in such a relaxed and open way about it. It's, that is so refreshing. You know, we could do. Oh, can, I, can I make one last point before please, we end please. the episode, though? Yeah, please. The, the only thing that I wanted to say is I think that there's a problem when white people say that they don't see race because I think that that is, for, that is privilege. And I think that it's actually our responsibility to see race um, because if you don't see race, then you don't understand that there's oppression there. So, you know, it's like saying, well, I don't see genders. Or, you know, I don't, I don't understand non-binary or whatever. Like, I just love people for who they are. I think it's important to, to educate ourselves on racism and be aware that racism exists um, because that's how we progress. Um, that's the only comment I was going to make. But, yeah, I agree with my dad. It's so nice to, to speak to you, Tracy. You're so honest and open. And, um, and yeah, thank you so much for, for chatting. I really do hope that we get to meet Chelsea as well. She's yes, me awesome. too. Yeah. Yeah, we would. It sounds t- like someone like I would hang out with here. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell her we would love so, to hear. We would love to um, have her on and just hear her perspective as well, because I think that'd be really, really interesting. Well, then I'll I'll, I'll put out a teaser. I'll work on her and maybe, maybe yes. we'll yes. she'll have we'll have you'll have Chelsea on. Please, sir. And we'll, so all you folks, tune in for next week. <laughs> yes, <to> see. <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing. Well, thank. Thank you again, uh, Tracy. Thank you, Tony. You were you were both. It was wonderful listening to both of you. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. <laughs> um, and do participate. Uh, send us messages via our Facebook page, which you can access via re-educatingdad.com. Because it's all about re-educating me, you know. <laughs> We've done, done such a great <laughs> I hope you've job. learned. <laughs> I have. I've learned a tremendous amount today. So I do feel... Uh, duly re-educated so um, thank you guys and uh, thank you listeners and we'll see you again next time bye for now bye Tony bye Tony's both of you bye Tony's